Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And back with us uh, for the second time, we've got football aficionado, co-manager of HammerandRails.com, Drew Schneider. Drew, how you doing this evening? Oh, man, living that life down here in Georgia. It's been a little rainy, but uh, otherwise, uh, at least I'm not living in Kansas, where I'm sure it's like snowy and cold yeah yeah been been raining here in maryland uh all day as well so we've got that in common so we got drew here today because purdue officially announced their football staff today um so you know a lot of these coaching hires had been teased or leaked or someone had written stories on them but you never really know what's official until the the school actually announces it um so drew has been following this um, and Purdue also has a couple guys that we uh, recently got in the portal since we last had him on. So we wanted to check in on all that. So just before we get into individual names, uh, just big picture look at this coaching staff, Drew. Um, can you tell us a little bit about them or what stands out to you about this new staff? Sure, yeah, man. Young, they're young, young dudes, young, hungry dudes. You're going to recognize a lot of names because they played recently college football. Um, I say that as I'm getting older, I recently <laughs> is relative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all, it's all <laughs> relative to us, but, um, uh, well, young, real young staff, um, I should be dynamic recruiting very much a sort of Midwestern, uh, big 12 feel. Um, a lot of the guys coached, uh, or played, uh, in the Midwest, um, sort of further west than Indiana. Um, and so that's sort of an interesting uh, look, cohesive. Um, I'm happy that uh, Coach Walters was able to put together guys that have interacted before. Uh, this isn't like a staff of guys that like have to wear name tags on the first day because nobody ah, knows each other. So, so it's not a mercenary staff. These are guys who are probably friendly with each other or have worked with one another before, you mean? Correct. Okay. Yeah, because I know a lot of times, especially in Brahms years, it was, you know, we're just going out and we're trying to find a guy to fit this role. Maybe I've worked with him. Maybe he has a connection, but it could just be anybody. Do you, do you think that was a problem with Brahms staffs? Yes, I do. I felt like a lot of Brahms staff, especially on the defensive side, was like clearance rack shopping. Like who's <laughs> who's who's available. Like instead of like who do I want is like who's available. I, I wonder um, if a defensive coordinator we had last year might fit into that mold. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, I think that might be might be the case. Um, but you're not seeing a lot of retreads uh, on this staff. You're getting giving guys some legit chances to advance their career. And uh, I mean, you've got a couple sort of old hands like Rick Haley. Uh, Which just top notch name, yeah, absolutely. Right. Any anytime like you can get a, beat, yeah, anytime you can get a, brick, <laughs> whose name is Brick. Yeah, I mean, anytime you hire can hire a football coach whose name is Brick, I feel like you just have to do it. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So there's there's obviously advantages to having a young staff, as you said, dynamic recruiting, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, wanting to go out and prove themselves, but. Do you think there could be any disadvantages for this staff being so young? I mean, it really just sort of depends on how Coach Walters sort of manages them because, you know, there's going to be 
times where you're probably going to want to lean on some more experienced guys, and there's not a lot of those guys to lean on uh, on this staff. Uh, but these are guys that have been around football a long time. They've played. They've coached. Um, so I'm not super concerned about that. Um, I really, yeah, I don't really see too much of a downside. Okay. Uh, I, I like a younger staff over over retreads, guys that you have been passed from team to team to team. Um, and like I said, like you said, you saw a lot of that with with Brom yeah. uh, on the defensive side, where you're kind of like, well, there's a reason why this guy's available. <laughs> right. I like that. I like that. Uh, I like that he, uh, Coach Walters, went out, like I said, and got his guys um, from other jobs for the most part. Um, and he brought some with him from Illinois. Um, but for instance, he went out and got Graham Harrell, which is is just really cool because uh, he had a job at West Virginia. Um, yeah, now yeah. I will say that 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 West Virginia job it was. And I think Coach Walters did a good idea job of sort of recognizing that that was probably a spot where he could grab uh, a coach um, because that job is uh, it's a t- it was a tough job at West Virginia, especially under Neil Brown, who's also an offensive coordinator. And sort of the rumor around West Virginia is he would occasionally sort of unplug Graham's uh, controller and uh, call plays on his own. Yeah, that's got um, that's got to be tough. I'm sure that's how I'm sure that's how Brian Brom felt a lot with uh, you know Jeff calling all the plays and Brian had some input, but I don't think he he got to do as much as he wanted. So probably a good thing for Harold to get out of that situation. Um, yeah. Now um, let's do you want to do offense defense? And look at a couple names on each side. Yeah, yeah, let's do it that way. We'll we'll start with offense because that was really the question mark with Walters hire, right? Is like, what's the offense going to look like? Right. Purdue is traditionally a def- our offensive uh, program, and they hired a defensive coach. Um, I think going out and getting Graham Harrell uh, sort of qu- squashed those fears, squashed those fears pretty quickly. Uh, be, and, and sort of him just saying that, hey, we're going to do stuff that makes me uncomfortable as a defensive coordinator. We're not just going to three yards in a cloud of dust and yeah. protect protect the defense. <clears throat> um, because, I mean, really, that's what a lot of defensive coordinators get in, are, that become head coaches. That's the problem they run into is they want to protect the defense. The best way to do that is sort of sit on the ball, hold it, keep the, def- you know, keep the defense fresh. Yeah. Uh, but I think Paul but Coach Walters, it sounds like he wants to attack and he wants that challenge on defense of, uh, of you know, his defensive coaches uh, backing up a sort of a dynamic offense that moves the ball. Um, and I, I think that's pretty uh, – I like that strategy a lot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, the first I, it's kind yeah. of the opposite opposite of the Kirk Ferentz approach at Iowa. I mean, Iowa's never been known for their offense. They're a, They're a defensive team. They're trying to – give their defense the best chance each and every time. So that's why you see just almost always terrible, inefficient, horrible offenses at Iowa, but somehow they win. Um, But that's a hard formula to replicate. It's a hard formula to replicate, and it is a hard formula to sell at Purdue. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I love the Purdue fans. I love y'all. Y'all are great. But but y'all like fighting football. You're not not maybe a fan base that's going to show up uh, if the team's 
continue constantly scoring like 12, 13 yeah. points a no. game. No, no. Uh, and so keeping everybody uh, a little energized, keeping that energy in the stadium uh, with an exciting offense um, is, uh, I think, the way to go. And I'm glad he, he, he decided to go that way because it's like, oh, Brett Bielema's defensive coordinator. We all know what Brett Bielema likes to do, right. which is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, but I don't expect that to happen. So I guess the first guy, obviously, to talk about is the head guy in the offense because it's his show now. It's Graham Harrell's show. Yeah. Like I expect Coach Walters mm. to have basic game plan input. Like you know, this is what we want to do in a sort of large macro scheme. But everything else is going to be on uh, Coach Harrell. Um, and so when you sort of look at his career, I think to get sort of closer to what you're going to see at Purdue, you're going to need to go back to like 2017, 2018 uh, North Texas. Um, I've got an article coming out tomorrow. Talk a little bit about that. Um, or I'm starting to take a look at these guys a little bit closer. Um, because like I said, last year, Neil Brown, the sort of talk around the water coolers. He was a micromanager who the offense was some Graham Harrell, some Neil Brown, when things didn't want go go the right way, Brown would jump in, um, and so and then you look at what he did at USC under Clay Helton. He's another sort of offensive guy. That's what Clay Helton does. That's his his background right. was offense. So that I think was probably more of a Helton Harrell collab than strictly Graham Harrell's offense. Um, then you go to North Texas. Seth Trail is also an offensive guy, but you sort of look at like the North Texas's 2017 and 2018 where the offense is just like cooking and then Harrell leaves and North Texas offense just nosedives. Uh, so that sort of tells me that he probably had a good bit of input uh, in that scheme and that probably closer to his true scheme now i'm sure he's picked some stuff up along the way right yeah I'm, I'm sure it won't be a blueprint you know just copy and paste from one school to another but you think that's the best distillation of what he wants to do at purdue since he'll probably have the opportunity as you said to t- kind of take the reins yes I, I think i think that's it and what what that's going to look like is, is a more balanced attack than what you're thinking because everybody you know you see Graham Harrell, and you know he played under Mike Leach, and he coached under Mike Leach. Uh, yeah, you just hear air raid this, air raid that. You you know you talk about he's going to throw it sixty times a game, but it, that's not what that means. That it is not what that means. Um, like in North Texas, um, you know he was averaging like maybe like thirty eight passes, thirty four runs. Um, he he'd have a four thousand yard passer in twenty seventeen. And, and like a 1,200-yard rusher, they play with some tempo. Um, he's not the ideal ideologue that Mike Leach was, where like Mike Leach was going to run the air raid, and it's going to be like <laughs> right. the pure distillation of the air raid. Uh, Harrell runs the ball more than you would anticipate from like a t- traditional air raid coach. He runs the ball more than Jeff Brom. Uh, That's not hard to purview. do. Not hard to do, uh, and uh, he's he's not afraid to win games. Uh, I would say he's probably I would say more uh, pragmatic uh, in his play calling, uh, where he's not going to just say it's the fourth quarter, we're up by ten points, let's just keep throwing the ball. Um, 
And so that was an exciting. I, I really like that as sort of the opening uh, play by Walters. Like I said, just sort of get rid of that, oh, what's the offense going to look like? We know what it's going to look like. It's going to be pass-based. Uh, you're going to see him spread the field. Uh, you're going to see them produce throw the ball wide to try to open the field up deep, which is sort of the tenet of the air raid offense, is you want to spread everything out horizontally, and that's going to open up some stuff vertically, um, just sort of create some more space. Um, but um, And again, another great recruiter, Harold's you know, a, a, a charismatic dude who's, who's played a lot of football, coached a lot of football, and saw his sort of first move was bringing in Hudson Card. Uh, right, right. Yeah, and, and I know we, we talked about him when we had you on last time, so that's really good news to see that paying dividends almost immediately. So um, the rest of the but offense... I'd also like to point out that even, even more is that everybody knows uh, now that... Um, oh, my God, my brain is just... Totally shorted out. Uh, Brady Allen is coming back right. now too. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that definitely. I think Graham Harrell has a has a part in that too. Where, okay. Good. Uh, good. Um, you know, he's a fun guy to play for. It's a fun offense to play in, and uh, I think Allen is going to get a legit shot there too. So that's that's obviously the first play to start. Um, uh, the next guy I kind of want to talk about uh, was people. So if you played uh, NCAA uh, football video games uh, <laughs> in the uh, sort of late 90s, you probably added this guy in uh, if you like to fill out the rosters uh, with the actual names. Um, it would be uh, Lamar Conrad, um, who was recently announced um, because he played defensive back for Purdue from uh, 96 to 99. Yeah, under Joe um, Tiller. Former walk-on. Under Joe Tiller, yeah. First walk-on at Purdue to be awarded a scholarship under Coach Tiller yeah. in 97. That's a pretty cool little, uh, little factoid to have. Yeah. And he, Three-year he's, he's now going to be uh, the running backs coach here at Purdue. So pretty cool for yeah. him uh, to come back to Purdue like this. It must be a really uh, really great feeling for him. Yes. I, I, I can imagine. You know, he was at uh, Miami, Ohio, so this is a bit of a, a step up. Yeah, big, um, big upgrade for him. Uh, yeah, and uh, but um, I, I like it. I think he's one of the coaches, few coaches on this staff. I was sort of saying before that doesn't have a huge tie-in with uh, Coach Walters. Uh, most of the guy, other guys on the staff, you know, are familiar with him from either his time at Missouri or Illinois or in the Big Twelve. But uh, Coach Conrad's a guy that I think people uh, they got a lot of feedback from people around the program that said bring this guy in he's going to tear it up recruiting uh in indiana yeah Um, and i mean that's that's very important not only i mean you know indiana is not a hotbed of football recruiting but it's good for perception it's good to get in with the big programs and you gotta you know you gotta be in there and competing in your own state even if it's not where you get the majority of your uh recruits yeah, absolutely. I I feel like Purdue, especially when you get start getting into some of the three star guys, it's just I really like bringing those guys in from Indiana. Um, one of the reasons, especially with the uh, portal, is they tend to stay. They tend right. to hang around a little longer. 
Um, you're going to get a three-star guy out of, you know, Florida, and he doesn't play for two years, he's probably leaving. There's nothing really to hold him. Uh, but having some, some guys that come in from Indiana, um, and, not, and not just three-star guys, obviously Purdue's had a lot of success with some four-star guys from uh, Indiana under Brom, uh, but um, being able to bring those guys in and keep them in the system and, and develop them, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of that. So I, I'm really, I was an interesting sort of move uh, bringing uh, Coach Conrad in. But what I, I really like um, from a PR around the state sort of way is he's going to be a familiar face um, that people have seen before, uh, that the big programs have seen in their schools. I mean, Miami, Ohio recruits a lot in Purdue. He's a kid. He's from Elkhart. Um, so, you know, he grew up around Indiana. Um, so I'm sort of excited to see how he – I would not be surprised if he's sort of the lead recruiter um, in Indiana. Yeah, and that would and that would make sense. So uh, any more – maybe one more guy on the offensive side who you'd like to look at before we hop over to defense? Sure. Let's talk about the guy whose name we were trying to pronounce uh, earlier. <laughs> yeah. And if you're if you're listening to this, uh, Coach uh, Deji, uh, you should probably get to work recruiting. Uh, but I think we got your name all right, and Deji. Uh, and I sort of want to talk about him. He is a really sort of cool because I remember him playing uh, quarterback at Texas Tech, like Graham Harrell. Um, so you've got two former prolific Texas Tech quarterbacks. Uh, at uh, Purdue now, which is uh, interesting. Um, and he's going to be the tight ends coach. Um, he's coming over from uh, Ole Miss. And then, you know, he's got also experience uh, with Harrell uh, from USC, where he was, uh, uh, he coached at USC with Harrell. So I think that's definitely, he was a quality control guy there uh, while Harrell was there. Um, and, uh, again, another just young sort of hungry guy who's going to be able to come out and, uh, do some recruiting. Um, Texas is, is, is a big, a big place for Purdue to draw talent from. And they've got the offensive coordinator and, uh, tight ends coach now with really solid, uh, backgrounds in the state of Texas. Yeah, which is huge. Um, I mean, just huge because the number of recruits in Texas just absolutely trumps what you can find in Indiana. So you have to recruit elsewhere. To, so to have those connections in big states like Texas uh, is huge. So we love to see that. Yeah, I mean, that's how Teller made his uh, – made just yep. really did well in Texas. And that was a lot of those rosters, a lot of the big – a lot of the sort of heart key components were from Texas, especially yeah. on some of the defenses, offenses, pretty much everywhere. I mean, obviously Drew Brees is from Texas, but um, I think that's going to be uh, an interesting uh, pickup uh, for uh, the Boilermakers there. So I really like like those got two uh, recent announcements. Yeah. So looking at the defensive side of the ball, obviously I know on the last podcast we talked about a bit about Kevin Kane coming over from Illinois. Uh, taking over as the defensive coordinator. So we don't really need to rehash his hire, um, but is there anyone who stands out to you on the defensive side uh, of the staff now that that's been announced? Yeah, now that that's been announced, um, there's 
There's plenty. Uh, I kind of want to talk about Joe Deneen just because I also write uh, for the Kansas State uh, SB Nation. Uh, okay. Well, well, tell me about him then. Tell me what, what's he well, what's he coaching here for us? Looks like outside linebackers. Yeah, Joe's the outside linebacker coach. Now his brother Dax is a like world destroyer at fullback for Kansas State. Uh, and so um, the Deneen family in, in general is well known in the, the Kansas uh, uh, area. He's from Lawrence. He, uh, Joe is from Lawrence, and he played at uh, Kansas, uh, played linebacker from Kansas. Uh, and, um, you know, twice led the NCAA in solo tackles per game, the Big 12 leader in tackles and tackles for loss uh, during his career. Um, and he was an All-American, uh, 2018 Consensus All-American, AP All-American, Sports Illustrated All-American, uh, you know, All-Big 12 uh, first team selection, three-time captain. Like, the dude is could play right now. Like, you could put pads <laughs> on him. And, uh, you know, he's a bit undersized for the NFL, but one of those uh, guys that just – uh, knows the game, knows what's going on, uh, and is going to bring just some incredible intensity to that to the defensive side of the ball. Good, good. Um, and uh, and it sounds like he's got a good reputation. Guy. Yeah, yeah. No, that whole that whole family are some some hard hitters right good, there. Good. Uh, and uh, and so that, that's really, you know, this is going to be his first real. Uh, coaching job where uh, out of side of say the uh, you know graduate assistant jobs gotcha. or the yeah uh, analyst jobs um and, and i think again another just hungry guy who's gonna come out and be able to really again recruiting i expect him to, to bring in some linebacker talent because he's young he's relatable um i can see uh purdue looking more into say uh, the St. Louis area that I've always wanted them to uh, break into, um, and in the Kansas City metro area, puts out a lot of good talent, um, and uh, so I think that's going to be uh, an interesting uh, pickup for the Boilermakers uh, on defense. Good, good. So. I mean that's that's a brief look at the staff. I mean we're not we didn't go through everybody, but those are the ones that stand out. Um, now since we last spoke, I know Purdue had at least three guys uh, we grabbed in the portal: uh, a cornerback, uh, a JUCO offensive lineman, and uh, I'm forgetting the the position of the third guy. Um, you look like you uh, another gonna... offensive lineman. Okay, He's offensive guard. Okay, that's right. That's right. So are these guys who are going to be able to play right away, or are these guys who are going to need to kind of uh, coach up, and maybe we'll see him in a year. Um, I like both the offensive linemen and uh, to come in and play right away. If not, like uh, if not starting, then providing a really solid uh, depth. Uh, back, you know, yeah, depth. and Purdue desperate, uh, desperately needs depth in the offensive line. So that's even if they just provide depth and don't start, that's huge. Yeah, so like Isaiah Walker is the guy that they just picked up yesterday, and he's a JUCO guy, but he's <laughs> taken a real sort of circuitous route to West Lafayette. He started; uh, he was a four-star, top, uh, you know, two hundred uh, in the nation overall, top 
2015 uh, offensive tackle recruit and the 2019 class. He signed with Florida initially and then uh, went a semester, was an early enrollee, and then left because uh, he's from Miami. He went back to Miami uh, and he for and he set out uh, a year basically redshirted and then there was a Miami coaching change um, and then so he left in the portal last year he went to uh, played at Butler uh, CC out there in uh, Kansas um, you're gonna hear Kansas come up a lot and uh, Purdue was able to to land him that's sort of a bounce back um, that probably has something to do with the new offensive line coach Matt Maddox Coming in, he's got a junior college background. He played junior college uh, ball. He coached uh, in that Jayhawk league out in Kansas. Was uh, if you know anything about junior college ball, that's like the premier, uh, one of the premier places to play junior college ball is in good, Kansas. Good. Um, for some reason, um, Kansas State under Bill Snyder made basically an entire program out of recruiting guys. Uh, and, you know, that Kansas State team that won the Big 12 this year has a lot of guys from the Jayhawk League. Um, and so uh, picking up Walker, he's a right tackle. I think he's uh, going to be like almost strictly a right, right tackle. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he can play either tackle. It's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a whole different position. You're flipping everything around. Um, and so I think he's going to come in, play right tackle, uh, 6'4", 310, just super athletic. He's When, when you wrote, had that, uh, the um, round table, he's a dude. Like, that's what he is. Good, like, he good. is an athlete. He's going to he's come in and be the highest-rated recruit Purdue has on the offensive line. Perfect. Uh, coming out of high school, moves really well. Um, I, I like him in the offense. I think he's going to be really nice in the screen game, getting outside. Um, and, and leading the way, um, he's 305, but he does not look it. If you watch his film, like you could tell me that he's like 280, and I'd be like, oh, well, that's reasonable because yeah. he's not a, like a big fat dude with belly hanging over <laughs> over his belt, uh, you know, sweating and breathing hard. Right. Um, and well, I mean, and, it, regardless of of like I said, if they start or if they're just going to provide depth, anything we can do to get more linemen to help the quarterback stay upright and to help a guy like Devin Mockaby get more opportunities, more yards. Um, I mean, it, it's going to just make this team so much better next year. So it just, to me, huge additions uh, to the team and something that they, they desperately needed. So um, the portal, I know everybody who is going to be in the portal is in the portal. It is closed, uh, but they can still commit out of the portal at this point. Is that right? Uh, I believe that is correct. Okay. The, the, the portal is closed for new entrants for a while, but, um, you know, everybody's still looking for, uh, looking for homes. And so, uh, and there was some, there's some new blood in there that, uh, jumped in right at the, right, right at the, right end. the deadline. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, I'm sure the coaches are, are evaluating those guys. Um, you know, it's always a question of, well, how many re- scholarships does Purdue have left? And the answer is, I have no idea. I don't think anybody does other than the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, and if they need a scholarship, they'll figure it they out. They yeah, always figure always, it out. There's always the scholarships in the banana stand. That's right. That's right. Love the Arrested Development reference. And that is a perfect place to end this part of the podcast. Uh, we're going to take a break. 
Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, tomorrow's game. Well, I guess it'll be today when this comes out uh, against Michigan in Ann Arbor. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So Drew has hopped off. Uh, he's got to go take care of, of some dogs and, you know, a child uh, that he has in his house. Uh, it's his child, no worries. Uh, but Ryan has stuck around with me, and he's going to talk about Purdue's game against Michigan. Uh, that is this Thursday. So if you're listening, that is going to be today in Ann Arbor. Um, Ryan, what can you tell me about this Michigan team? Uh, they've been up and down. Purdue hasn't played them yet this season. Yeah, I mean, so they've played some good teams. They've played some not so good teams. Um, normally when they play those good teams they're they don't fare very well. Um, I believe I saw today they are Owen six versus quad one teams. Oof. Not great. No. So, so that, that's, that's positive because Purdue would definitely be a uh, quad one team. Just, just throwing that out there. Right, right. Um, and I, I understand uh, Michigan has a guy who might not play. He's questionable for today's game. Uh, can you tell me who that is and, and what that would mean for them? Yeah, that is the coach's son, Jet Howard. Uh, he actually has two sons on the team, Jet and Jace. But Jet Howard is one of their starting guards. He looks like he may not be able to go with an ankle injury. And if he does, that's pretty big blow to Michigan. He is their second leading scorer. And he puts up about you know fifteen points a game, thirty minutes a game. So he's he's pretty relied on. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds like it would be really, really huge uh, for Purdue. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, of course, Michigan has Hunter Dickinson, everyone's favorite Big Ten player. So uh, mm-hmm. how has he done this year? Because I know he tends to have monster games, hitting the three against Purdue. Yeah. So he has about 18 points a game this year so his scoring is still still up there he's tops on the team he's shooting 40 percent from beyond the arc this season man but he's not shooting over a guy that's seven four true uh but he he's so that, he did pretty well against problem. us last year uh from three he has he, he did um yeah but a lot of the time <clears throat> he is a low post threat and personally, I think Zach Eady has come so much, so much further in the past season yeah. that he could all but eliminate that inside post. Yeah, move. yeah. And Eady's defense is so much better than it was last year. So mm-hmm. uh, while you can look at last year's game and the way he guarded Dickinson as maybe you know how it'll play out this year, uh, but I think you have to remember that Eady just looks so much better on both ends of the floor this year. Right. And I say he made 40% of his threes this season. He's only taken 25. Yeah, so that's, that's fair. It's not that's, like he's shooting at an unusually high clip. That's good context. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yep, that. So, so 57% who, from the floor still for Dickinson. Yeah, yeah so. that's pretty good. So who else, yeah. um, who else does Purdue need to worry about? 
So I think the other person you probably worry about is Kobe Bufkin. Um, Fun name. He is yeah, Kobe Bufkin. What a, what a guy. So he is their third uh, third best scorer. He's also one of their guards, and you might see him get the ball more um, at the wing with Jet Howard uh, if he doesn't play. So um, look for his role to increase and. You like to see that um, another guard for Michigan, Doug McDaniel, he's the guy who's going to be carrying the ball up. He's going to be their point. And he's only 5'11". So yeah, not, not a big guy. Once, yeah, Braden Smith will not be at a disadvantage if he's guarding Doug McDaniel. So that is very positive news. Right. Just because last last time at Maryland, it looked like the you know tall and long guards were giving them fits, so Michigan may have a little bit more of an issue with that. Yeah, so I mean, as you said, Michigan has not done well against quad one opponents this year, and Purdue obviously will be a quad one opponent currently ranked number one mm-hmm. in the country. So, uh, how do you feel overall about this game? Because I'll be honest, the fact that it is on the road does worry me a little bit. There's nothing like playing Ann Arbor when there's a snowstorm going right. going on. I yeah. mean, that's just how how does that happen every year? But I, I um, don't know. There there's no there's no um, shortened schedule or expedited schedule this season because of COVID. That's not an issue. Um, and just looking to what makes Purdue what, what their strengths are this season, Michigan is somewhat long as a roster but they're not incredibly long so that's a positive where if purdue can just get past the pressures we've seen those are the games they struggle is when teams are just long put them in uh put a lot of pressure on them and switch stuff yeah that doesn't seem to be too much of the mo for michigan they don't force turnovers that much um I want to say they keep it to under 20 or no, under 20 under 10 a game somewhere okay. around there i mean they, they are not uh forcing turnovers but they're also not um giving the ball up either so if it's if you're looking into a slug fest you're just going to keep the ball okay but they're not going to press you like other teams in the big 10 will which is i think a good thing for purdue um, we've handled right. the press much better this year, but as we talked about in our mm-hmm. last episode, um, the way Maryland uh, put that pressure on Purdue, it really, really forced the offense to struggle, um, especially you know, even getting across the timeline and then having not enough time to set up their offense. So uh, I exactly. think if, if, per, if Michigan is not going to press us, n- not going to put that pressure on at full court, I think it leads, uh, leads in Purdue's favor there. So um, anything else mm-hmm. about this Michigan squad that stands out or you want to mention? Um, not too much. I mean, they've, they've, like I said, they've struggled against some good teams this season, and they have played much better at home. I, I mean, on the road, their last three road games, they've lost their last, um, like, five um, home Big Ten games they have won. So... Ann Arbor's never an easy place to go to and win. Right. But it is possible. 
Yeah. They only beat Minnesota by four at home last week. Let's hope so, let's hope we get that same effort from Michigan in this game. Exactly. Yeah. So do I got one question for you about this game and then I think that's enough for us tonight. Uh do we huh? think do we think Jawan Howard tries to slap Matt Painter in the head? No, because everybody loves Matt Painter. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If you're going to slap Greg Gard, okay. We understand. <laughs> yeah. But you're not going to slap Matt Painter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think that would go as well uh for Juwan as it did against Greg Gard. So, uh there we go. Uh Purdue versus Michigan again an an opportunity for Purdue to get to 20 wins on the season. Uh it would they would be the first team I believe in the country to get to 20 wins, uh which would be huge and also again, one more victory in the Big 10. And I believe this is this is game number ten in the Big Ten play. Uh, so this is yep halfway. This is fully halfway after this one. So Purdue would be mm-hmm. nine and one should they win, uh, and and that would just be absolutely incredible. So uh, for Ryan and myself, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we'll see you on the weekend when we chat about this game. So boiler up, hammer down.